Welcome to a special edition of Section 247's The Goal Line Stand All Football All the Time. This is our halfway mock draft special coming to you live from the Michaels Glass Company studios. Michaels Glass Company serving Philadelphia and the tri-state area since 1978, 215-338-3293. If you need to get there via vehicle, you can take the Cotman Avenue exit off of I-95, turn at Four Seasons Total Landscaping, head down Cotman Avenue uh, to Tarsdale, and you'll be in, in the general area. I'm Michael Lipinski, joined as always by Brett Halpern. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? I'm, I'm very excited. I have a lot of coffee. We're talking draft. I could talk draft anytime. I love it. So we're, half, we're halfway there. A lot of talk is being made of the top pick in the National Football League draft. What's going to happen if the Jets stay with the number one pick? Is the an the apparent, uh, you know, the number one pick elect, I guess, so to speak, uh, Trevor Lawrence? Will he opt out? Will he ask for a recount? What's going to happen? <laughs> Lots of questions to be uh, answered today. The a note, the draft order we're going to discuss, there are no trades, obviously, at this juncture. Yeah. We're going off of the draft order as of 10 o'clock on 11-11-2020 uh, via Tankathon. Is that correct? Is that where you got Yeah, Tankathon. Uh, so Tankathon, thank you for providing us with the, the draft list. We were discussing... Yeah, they're really good. This is a very quarterback heavy draft particularly in the first round i know mel kuyper was talking about it on monday night and it, it kind of set some people off steve young but four to five maybe six quarterbacks could go in round one your thoughts yeah on that? yeah you know it, it definitely is and, and i think what's interesting is i think if you were to uh if we were to have done a preseason mock draft it, you, that statement wouldn't have been accurate. And actually three of the guys who we will mention um, have played their way into the first round. So I, I think that's pretty interesting how, you know, they're the, the clear top three guys who we've talked about, who everyone's talked about, but the second group of three who are all very good prospects have really played their way in to first round consideration. And I've really enjoyed watching them all season. It's been good. What are some of the other areas in this draft that are, you know, hot and heavy for the first round where we can expect a lot of movement? Well, I, I, to me, I always get excited as a former lineman, you as well, Mike, there's a lot of offensive linemen. And what's interesting is there really is not a, we, you know, where I just mentioned, for instance, the top three with the quarterbacks, there's always been a consensus with them. There really is not, the same level of consensus regarding what I would say is almost like the top 10 offensive linemen in this draft, which particularly in the offensive tackle position, 
which I think is great. And it, cause it allowed these guys are going to sort of settle it in terms of, you know, their uh, senior bowl performances, their combine performances, obviously the rest of the season, although some of them have opted out. One of them, their season is over because he was on the uh, FCS level. So, but I I really enjoy when there's a lot of difference in opinion because I enjoy the debate. Sometimes, you know, we all know who's number one. There's not as much drama to it. So I think that's a pretty interesting dynamic to this draft class that's coming up. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to break it down. Obviously, we're going to go from 1 to 32. We'll quickly run through the first 10 picks. I'll kind of give you 10 at a time or 12 at the end. Obviously, the number one pick, the New York Jets. Number two right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number three, the Dallas Cowboys. Number four, the New York Giants. Number five, Washington. Number six, the Los Angeles Chargers. Number seven, Miami Dolphins via the Houston Texans and good old Bill O'Brien. Number eight, the Cincinnati Bengals. Number nine, the Carolina Panthers. Number 10, the Atlanta Falcons. Again, this is all as of 10 a.m. on 11, 11, 20. The New York Jets are on the clock. Let's get to it, sir. Yeah, well, with the number one pick, surprise, surprise, the New York Jets uh, select Trevor Lawrence, quarterback from Clemson. Look, the kid, he was the number one recruit coming out of high school, 6'6", 220 pounds, and even add some weight to his frame. Um, He started since he was a freshman, led the team to two straight national championship games, winning one. You know, he has sneaky athleticism. I would definitely call people's attention to the – 60-plus yard touchdown run he had against Ohio State in the uh, semifinals last year. Incredibly strong arm, can make every throw on the field. He's really, though, improved his ball placement and his touch since his freshman year. I think the only thing he probably needs to work on is footwork a little bit. Sometimes he gets off balance, but he is probably in there. I'm really nitpicking with that. He is the top quarterback prospect since at least Andrew Luck. Some people have made the argument since Peyton Manning. Some people have made the argument since John Elway. Sam Darnold's been good, but Trevor Lawrence is just in a different class. And it allows you to start over and allows you to start the clock again with having to pay a rookie quarterback, which is always a positive in terms of the development of your team. And you know what? At this point, I would just trade Sam Darnold for whatever you can get, second or third round pick. Someone will take him. Is there any chance, there's always a chance, but it's highly unlikely, but it, could you see a scenario where Trevor Lawrence just says, nope, not going, not doing it? So, you know, we talked about this on the past few episodes. Uh, if the Jets keep Adam Gase, I could see that. Or the, alternatively, the other thing that we mentioned most recently regarding the fact that next year's salary cap is going to be significantly lower. So that combined with the fact that if it's the Jets picking number one with taxes, he's going to be getting a lot less money than a normal number one pick would. Uh, So perhaps, you know, obviously he'd have to go get one of those insurance policies. And then, you know, you never know because what if you're, I don't think it's going to happen. What if his game goes to shit or obviously a catastrophic injury? Um, it could happen, or he could pull an Eli. 
So those yeah, are really I, I, I don't think that is going to happen. A lot of the talking heads have said that the league is very, very much not going to allow that to occur. How, but how are they going to stop it? Uh, great question. I, I don't know. It could be. It could. I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. It could be as simple as the the, the lead going to the Jets saying he's not going to come play for you. Do not pick him, kind of thing. Well, I mean, but you know, then I well either way. So yeah, and look, I guess another possibility is that the Jets, you know, get the ultimate trade package of all time and trade out of this. And because like Joe Douglas did say last week that Sam Darnold's our guy. Now I also think that that's pos- that's partly you know just maintaining the value of Sam Darnold for when you want to trade him. So, but I mean, it, if you trade out of this pick, you're going to get a haul. At, at this point, maybe they roll with Joe Flacco. I'm just, I'm just kidding, but he played well, and we talked about that on 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 the regular show. Go on, uh, on, let's move on to it. Number two pick the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, what are they going to do here, right? Yeah. Uh, look, um, I think after week one, people were starting to make the argument, hey, you know, maybe Gardner Minshew might be the guy. Well, look, uh, you're one and seven, one and eight. Minshew's hurt. It doesn't matter. You're going with Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. Uh, you know, in a way, I almost feel as if Justin Fields is overlooked because of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, again, is considered a generational talent. Um, you know, if you were to stack the quarterbacks drafted in the last several years, Trevor Lawrence would be number one. Justin Fields would be number two. So he'd be the number one pick in the last several years. He's super talented. A lot of the recruiting services, um, you know, actually had Justin Fields ranked ahead of Trevor Lawrence coming out of high school. They were 1A and 1B. We're talking like both 99 ratings. Uh, you know, this kid, and I saw a video of him in high school throwing a 75 yard pass. Uh, he has a, a great arm as well. 6'3, 228. Uh, you know, he's more, he's, he's very athletic. Uh, it's rumored that he runs in around the 455 40 range. Very accurate. I think a lot of people question whether the Ohio State offense really prepares you for the NFL. And in a way, I think Dwayne Haskins has hurt or, or, or put a few question marks in the Justin Fields game. But I think the thing we've seen with Justin Fields so far is he's become a lot more decisive in his throws, very accurate, very, and can make all the throws. So Extremely accurate. I mean, he has more touchdowns than incompletions right now. I don't think he even has 10 incompletions on the season. So, you know, credit to him. So, yeah, Justin Fields going to Duvall. Maybe he'll get in an AEW storyline. There you go. Uh, number three, as of right now, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So this is intrigue here. We talked about it. Quarterback heavy class. Jerry Jones has come out and said Stephen Jones and Dak Prescott will be back. Uh, maybe, maybe not. What do you got here? Well, I, you know, I believe that Dak Prescott is going to come back. And I was actually, I was reading up on it. I was actually surprised. His... Uh, rehab's only going to take four months, which I thought, you know, as compared with like the typical ACL, which is eight to 12 months. So, I, you know, I'm confident he's going to come back. And I think they now see what kind of leader he is in that locker room. They're going to get a deal done with him. And to me, you have an opportunity. We talk about generational talents. 
Penny Sewell, offensive tackle, Oregon, is a generational talent. He is the top offensive tackle prospect. Um, I mean, you know, think about, remember like Eric Fisher, who was the number one pick of the draft. Penny Sewell is much better than him. He's better. I think he's better than Jake Long, who was the number one pick in the draft, you know, back in, earlier in the part of the last decade. Uh, 6'6", 330 pounds. He opted out of this season. Uh, he won this. He was the only sophomore ever to win the Outland Trophy. Uh, he wears 330 pounds well. He could actually get bigger. He is a frame to put on another 15 pounds. Uh, great feet, elite power, elite athleticism. When you watch him on tape, it's amazing to see this guy get to the second level or else get out there on screens. He's nasty. Um, we've all, I've, I've discussed my, my love of all Polynesian players. Uh, <laughs> I think that's why the Giants have not done well as of late or ever, because I always thought that's what they need. It's just, he's just, he's, he's a, he's also a great teammate, this guy. And so you think about with the Cowboys, you know, Tyron Smith's getting older. Lyle Collins has been hurt. Lyle Collins has also played guard. You get him in there, you're really, you know, restacking that offensive line. So to me, this is a huge pick in that it, it keeps Dak safer. It helps Zeke Elliott. So it makes a lot of sense. Now we move on <laughs> to the New York football giants. And we're going, I, I think the big key here at four is who is actually going to be making this draft pick. Yeah. Uh, by all accounts, the putts of East Rutherford is not going to be there. Uh, your nickname, not mine. And yeah. not, not that yours, you know, you've, you've coined, uh, what's his face? Uh, I don't even DG. Yeah. Oh, Gettleman. That's right. The, yeah. putts, of e the putts of East Rutherford. By all accounts, he's not going to be the general manager. Yeah. But but you never know. We talked about it. This is a quarterback heavy class. Yeah. Five six guys uh, of not a. There's two. There's a couple elite, right? Yeah. Maybe two three elite guys, but really really good ones. What do the Giants do here? They got Danny Dimes. Do they go so, another offensive lineman not ready to play? <laughs> so I think I think you framed it perfectly. And to me. I have here the Giants taking Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying if they're drafting fourth or, or in this position, that means they have not won another game, which means that Daniel Jones has proven the only team he could beat is the Washington football team. Now, granted, it's good to be able to dominate a team in the division, but if that is the only team in the NFL you can beat, that's a problem. And yes, we've talked about before, I think there are bigger issues than Daniel Jones on the New York Giants. But if your quarterback, if he's not the guy, you're never going to go anywhere. It's time to start over. And starting over allows you to reset things, gives you more time to work a roster with a, uh, a cheaper quarterback. Because in a sense, that's what the rookie quarterbacks are. You know, get a third round, fourth round pick. Trade Daniel Jones to the New England Patriots. Let him go win a few Super Bowls there. I don't care. I just if the Giants are picking the top four, to me that means Daniel Jones is not the guy. Uh, I know that there's other options, but to me that is you know what makes sense. Uh, so with respect to Trey Lance, 6'3", 224, has a much thicker build than Fields. He's you know he runs the ball. I mean so. His last full year playing in North Dakota State, they didn't have a full year this year. They only had one game. Very strange. 
So he had 42 touchdowns with zero interceptions, 28 passing touchdowns, ran for 1,100 yards. You know, he runs like a running back. He runs like Cam Newton. He's much more physical. Um, you know, now people question the level of play, but as Eagles fans are aware, North Dakota State has more of a pro system. So Trey Lance, unlike Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, he's taking um, – snaps under center he can work a play action game it's a more pro ready offense um you can make all the throws really excels on downfield throws i think he has to learn a little bit more touch some nuance but he's working with one of the quarterback gurus now i guess that's the one benefit to the fact that his season i guess ended early and he's basically just preparing for the draft and also improving his game uh, but to me, most of the scouting experts, when they give him a pro comparison, it's Deshaun Watson. I'd rather have Deshaun Watson than Danny Dimes. Yeah, I would agree with you. And you hit North Dakota State right on the head. A lot of people, Carson Wentz has put them obviously into the NFL, you know, uh, stratosphere. People under people have an eye on them now. Anybody who's watched college football for just about forever, like you and I have, yeah knows that North Dakota State is only an FCS program because they're in North Dakota. Yeah. And no conference is willing to take them on. And I'm, I'm saying that facetiously because if they were to go into a Division One conference, they would be they would they'd be, be a top they'd be a top three team in the Mountain West right now. Right, exactly. There there's teams on the top 25 scale right now that North Dakota State probably beats yep. and beats handily. So yeah. You know, Giants fans, if you're looking down the turnpike and you're saying, look at the troubles of Carson Wentz, why would we want this North Dakota guy, North Dakota State guy? This is a good one. Yeah, look, I've, he's my favorite of the three that have been picked, that have been mocked so far, only because of what you said. This he He's, we think, better at the professional game than yeah. – than Fields and Trevor Lawrence. And that's not yeah. to say they're, you know, they're just different. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's, look, you know, I wouldn't mind having Carson Wentz right now on the Giants, even with all the struggles. I, I think, you know, I just think this is a weird year all around. We could get into that in another episode, but I really like Trey Lance. Uh, I think he's physical. He's a great leader. The, to me, the, it just makes sense. Let's move on to the Washington football team. They got the fifth pick. Uh, man, NFC East just <laughs> piling up the top. The top Unbelievable. Uh, uh, God, someone's going to – and all these teams can make the playoffs still. That's the scary thing. Yeah, that's true. They, they it can. really they is can. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So Washington is now on the clock. Yeah, and I think Washington, to a certain extent, might be a little disappointed the way this particular board has fallen. But, you know, nevertheless, they're going to get their quarterback too. I have them taking Zach Wilson – quarterback of BYU. As we talked about, this is a guy who really now he's a three-year starter. So he's good experience, which I think is I actually think that's one of the reasons I have him as the first of the next three quarterbacks. Um, you know, so 63210, his nickname is the and I think this really helps understand his game. He's called the Mormon Manzel. Now, I think he has a lot of the positive traits of Johnny Manzel. You know, the innovation, the escapability, uh, the headiness, the competitiveness, uh, without all of the 
unfortunate substance abuse and the craziness, the cockiness. But this guy is a competitor. He has a great deep ball. He, um, like I said, he's a very good innovator, very good at manipulating the pocket, uh, very accurate. Just, um, you know, a guy I really like. I, I So, you know, Mormon Manziel, or the other way I, I like to think of him, kind of like a Baker Mayfield. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's a really good player, and I, I think he has played so well this year. I mean, that team's now 8-0, um, you know, and particularly the last performance against Boise State, which was another ranked team. I think he, he has played himself up to be picked in this range. And obviously, quarterback's the most important position in the game. So, you you know, teams will overvalue the same way the Giants drafted Daniel Jones number six. I'm not saying, you know, that they're, you know, you're reaching, but that's why he's got literally got himself all the way up to this level. Los Angeles Chargers at a number six. Yep. So I have them. This name will be familiar to football fans. Patrick Sertan, the second. I don't know why he goes by the second as opposed to junior. I don't. That would mean he probably doesn't have the same middle name. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, from Alabama, cornerback, uh, 6'2, 203. He is, you know, the new breed of cornerback, tall, rangy. Uh, obviously, has great bloodlines from his father. Uh, he's, he's a shutdown corner. He plays with great technique, fundamentals, and he's incredibly instinctual. He's a willing and able tackler. Uh, I think the Chargers need to get a little bit younger in the defensive backfield. Uh, I think this will also help. You know, we've all, I, I've talked about repeatedly how much I would love to see this Charger defense if they were actually healthy. Get back Derwin James. You add a guy like this, it's going to be really tough to throw against them. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I thought maybe they you go offense here to give uh, Herbert, not Bobby, Justin Herbert, not Bobby A. Bear, his more weapons. But they're really loaded up on offense. They really need to lock down defensively. Yeah, because I was. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep going. I was just say let's go to number seven. But go ahead. Oh yeah, well, I was just going to say real quick. If you look at their games, they're putting up high 20s, 30 points, right. It's they, they need to make that one more stop. And if you have, to me, you know, you had the best cornerback in the class, it'll help. Number seven, the Miami Dolphins via trade from the Houston Texans. Yeah, this is the Laramie Tunsil trade via as part of that. So Miami's going to get a toy for Tua. They are getting Jamar Chase, wide receiver, LSU. Uh, six feet, 208, opted out of the season. Uh, the, the best way to to, uh, to me to describe him, he's a more physical and explosive version of Jerry Judy, who was a, what was he, the 14th pick uh, of the draft last year. He's doing fairly well in his rookie season. So, look, he was the main guy of the LSU offense last year, the record-breaking season uh, with Joe Burrow. You know, Justin Jefferson from that offense went in round one last year, or this past year, is doing really well. And Jamar Chase was considered the guy. Great hands. He, he just he is he is the top wide receiver prospect, clear cut uh, out of this group. And it's a very talented wide receiver group. Uh, but uh, you know, to me, Devontae Parker really never became a true number one. Preston Williams is now hurt. You know, you got to get some more uh, weapons to surround Tua. So that's. Uh, to me, that this is a, a really helpful pick for them. Number eight, Cincinnati Bengals. 
So this one I really struggled. I struggled with, you know, I think their offensive line definitely has some issues. But to me, if you have an elite defensive end on the board, you got to take them. You know, think about it. They traded away Carlos Dunlap. So I have the Bengals taking Gregory Rousseau, defensive end for Miami. 6'7", 265-pound redshirt sophomore who opted out of the season. Uh, So as a redshirt freshman, he had 15 and a half sacks. He's still growing into his body and learning the game. I mean, this so you know, you're you're actually he has production, but he's not even yet a finished product, both in terms of skill and his body. Because I think he's gonna probably put on another 10, 15 pounds of good weight. Uh quit and he's actually, you know, he for someone that size, he's quick off the edge, can use his power game in the pass rush stout enough to set the edge, you know, and I think a guy with him as he gets older, if you have him for 10 years, I think eventually he turns into Calais Campbell. That's I'll take that any day. Number nine, the Carolina Panthers. So I have the Carolina Panthers uh, still beefing up that defense and taking Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia tech, six foot two, 207 pounds. He opted out of the season. Um, Physically imposing cornerback has great ball skills. He's still learning the position. The position he's only been playing it for like two years. So when he gets down more of the fundamentals, he's going to be scary. Uh, and I, you know, I think Matt Rule is doing a great job in Carolina. If I'm a Carolina fan. I'm very pleased with the direction of that team, and I have faith knowing that Rule's squad uh, coaching staff will properly coach him up. That was the other reason I slotted Caleb Farley here. Agree with you. I, I like what Matt Rule's doing down there. Number ten, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, so the, you know this team just they they have a lot of issues. That defense needs a lot of work. They just waived their 2017 first round defensive end pick, Tack McKinley. So I have them trying to uh, replace that and finally get the you know the guy that they need there. Uh, I have them taking Quiddy Pay, uh, the defensive end edge rusher. From Michigan, six foot three, two hundred seventy pounds. He's going to be one of those combine freaks. So he might even go up, you know, the board even from ten. Um, he has positional versatility. I mean, because he does have, he's got some thickness to him. You know, at two seventy, you could sneak inside on some on passing downs, be a three technique rusher. Uh, but he's athletic enough to play standing up or just you know like as a traditional defensive end. Uh, he's still learning the game, so there's also a lot of upside there. But he's had a lot of production. He has, I think, he has two and a half sacks so far in three games for Michigan. Very good player. Uh, so that's that's my pick for Atlanta. That finishes our top ten. Let's run through the next set of ten: Detroit, Minnesota, New England, Denver, San Francisco, the Chicago Bears, Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts, Philadelphia Eagles. Arizona Cardinals, that takes you up to 20. So let's get to it. The Detroit Lions, who may or may not have a new head coach at that point, we obviously cannot forecast. Lions with the 11th pick. Yeah, so I I will definitely – I'm glad you mentioned that. I would preface this by saying I think if they get a new coach, I I have a sneaky feeling this might be the end of the Matthew Stafford era um, if there's a new coach. Uh, assuming there isn't right now, I have Detroit taking Micah Parsons, 
linebacker from that team from Pennsylvania. Uh, so 6'3", 244 pounds, opted out of the season. Uh, he, he's look, he's the next in the long line of great linebackers from Penn State. Um, stout against the run, but he's a three-down linebacker, covers sideline to sideline. Could also be an effective edge uh, rusher. You know, he he excels in both coverage. You know, to me, I think the sign of a great linebacker is one who can play well, both moving backwards and coverage and going downhill as an effective blitzer and disrupting the run game. He could do that. I mean, he frankly, I, you know, just in terms of who was the best prospect, he actually probably grades ahead of several of the previous picks. The thing is that linebacker just it does not have the value that it used to. Um, you, you need to have good linebackers, but they aren't necessarily the number one picks anymore. So that's why he falls to number 11. That explains the Eagles linebacking core. Number 12 on the clock, the Minnesota Vikings. So I have, uh, you know, particularly with the short stay of Yannick and Gakwe, they lost Everson. They, you know, Everson Griffin is no longer there. I have them beefing up their edge presence by drafting Joseph Osei, uh, the edge. He's both a interior linebacker and an edge rusher, in Texas, 6'4", 253 pounds. So he has positional versatility in that he can play inside linebacker or the edge rusher. Decent in pass coverage, but really shines in playing downhill. For all you Rutgers fans out there, you're going to laugh. Uh, so obviously he plays under the wonderful Captain Cargo Pants, Chris Ash. He plays the Jack Rusher in their off and excuse me, their defense. Um, unfortunately for Rutgers fans, where we didn't really have a successful one, they have uh, Joseph Ose, who, who honestly has won them games. He's been that down. He was dominant against Oklahoma State. Really, a, a, just a, a great player, high motor. I, I really like this guy. Number 13, I'd have to check the last time that the Patriots selected this high due to like a non-injury kind of thing. It's probably been a while, but number 13 in new England Patriots. So I have them taking Devonta Smith wide receiver from Alabama, six feet, 170 pounds. Um, I know. I think I actually we talked about, I, I gave him a pretzel a few weeks ago on our four pretzels in the lap. Uh, he's just, he's silk. He is the smoothest route runner, great hands, tremendous ball skills, it's probably more of a possession guy. Uh, I mean, he could stretch the field definitely uh, more than I'd say all of the New England receivers, uh, save for Demir Bird, uh, Timber Creek's finest. Um, but he, you know, he offers uh, you know the ability to get over the middle. He's just he continues to, to find ways to both improve his game, get open, and, and you know have production. Uh, and offers a great catch radius despite his frame. Little surprise here. Maybe you don't have New England taking a quarterback since this is a quarterback-heavy draft. Uh, I don't think from seeing things, I don't think Cam Newton's the guy there. We can debate that at another time. Maybe Jimmy G ends up going back there. Could be a possibility. Yeah. But, uh, a little bit interesting that you went that route, but look, it's Belichick. Who knows? He might well, so – Part of my thinking there is I believe that they're in play to get one of the discarded quarterbacks, meaning a Dwayne Haskins, a Sam Darnold, or perhaps even a Daniel Jones. I think they'll find better value. 
probably giving agree. away a second or third round pick for one of those guys. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I would agree with you. I get that. Uh, number 14, the Denver Broncos. So Denver looked at, you know, this past draft, all the, uh, they heavily invested in getting weapons and now they need to invest in protecting those weapons. So I have them taking Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle from Alabama, 6'6, 317 pounds, has played all along the Alabama offensive line, three year starter for Alabama. I think he can excel as a left tackle. But the nice thing about him is if he doesn't necessarily, uh, excel there, which I don't see why he wouldn't. He can play any of the positions because he has great versatility there. Good feet, strong hands. Um, really like the guy. Number 15 is San Francisco 49ers. So the Jimmy G era is over in San Francisco, at least in my estimation. And I have them taking Kyle Trask, quarterback from Florida, 6'5", 240 pounds, strong arm, accurate. Um, he's just athletic enough to manipulate the pocket and extend plays. We uh, make all the throws on the field. Again, he similar to uh, Zach Miller and another quarterback we'll be mentioning very soon uh, has played his way into the first round. Uh, and I, I really like his game. Moving on to the number 16, excuse me, the Chicago Bears. And, and I'm looking at this and I'm just, I'm laughing. Well, you know, look. Um, what is Nick Foles not enough? Sorry. Yeah, he's not. He's not. Okay. He, look, I, he should go back to Philly and be the backup. No, no, he shouldn't. We already got. Um, well, him. Already yeah, you have Jalen Hurts, huh? He, you have Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah. yeah look, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not in love with Nick Foles, the Bear. Okay, it just it, it is what it is. Obviously, the Mitch Trubisky experiment failed. So I have the Chicago Bears taking Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama, 6'3", 214 pounds. And I think above all else, the reason why I have him going here, he's accurate. This one thing Mitch Trubisky was not, it was he was not accurate. Mac Jones has excellent anticipation, touch, the accuracy, particularly on deep balls, good vision with the field. He can extend plays. Uh, he really, you know, so he came in when Tua went down last year really exceeded expectations. And even this year, you know, people kind of thought he would just be a game manager, but he really, he has taken them, you know, put the team on his back and really excelled in the passing game. You know, it helps to have a lot of weapons that, it, you know, frankly, I think the receiving core in Alabama might even be better than the Chicago bears, but you know, nevertheless, I think the accuracy is what's super important in Mac Jones game. Number 17, the Cleveland Browns. So I believe that this I, – I don't be, – I believe Odell Beckham has played his last snap for the Cleveland Browns. It just didn't work. Get rid of him. Get what you can. Nevertheless, you still need a wide receiver for Baker Mayfield because even, um, you know, uh, Jarvis Landry hasn't necessarily taken the world by storm there. So I have him taking Jalen Waddell, the wide receiver from Alabama, 5'10", 177 pounds, he is out for the remainder of the year with a broken ankle, but it's something that um, everyone expects him to make a full recovery with. Excellent ball skills. When you think about him, he is the the yard. He's the rack yak guy. You know the yards after catch, um, explosive, elusive, home run potential anytime he touches the ball. Uh, really, you know, fun guy to watch. Also offers a lot in the return game. Number 
Number 18, the Indianapolis Colts, the fighting Frank Reichs, who will probably end up with Nick Foles as the quarterback, but that's just uh, me thinking about that. Uh, so I have them taking Carlos Basham, defensive end for Wake Forest, 6'4", 274. You know, if you look at the defensive ends for the Colts, they have Kamoko Ture and others, more of just like the, what I'll call like the smaller speed rushing types. I think Carlos Basham will give them a sort of a different look at defensive end. It's more of a power rushing defensive end, very stout against the run, but he employs enough of a pass rush, pass rush arsenal uh, to get home to the quarterback. And, and he's athletic enough that he can get around the edge that he likes to go through you. Uh, so I, I like his game a lot. I think that it brings a new element to the Colts defensive line. Ooh, here we go. The Philadelphia Eagles are now on the clock. So I have the Eagles selecting Rashawn Slater, an offensive lineman from Northwestern. Uh, he's 6'4", 308 pounds. He opted out of the season. Uh, so he's he is a great football player. I, I can see my co-host has this look almost as if he's constipated, doesn't look very happy. Um, so he is not... Look, Andre Dillard had every measurable you wanted, and look what it got you. This guy is a football player, right? Now, he is a little shorter, doesn't have the longest arms, which is why some people question whether or not he's an offensive tackle. But nonetheless, he excelled at the position, did very well against Chase Young and other top Big Ten rushers, right? On top of that, he has athleticism, power. And if you don't like him at tackle, guess what? He's now your next Jason Kelsey. And at some point, you have to draft that replacement. And that's why I have you taking this guy. Because so, he can either make up for the Andre Dillard mistake, or he's your next Jason Kelsey. So here's my thought as, as, a, as an Eagles fan and looking at this. I think, yeah. they have to go off, I think they have to go offensive line. Everybody and their mother, all, WIP, the Fanatic, all the podcasts. They're going to got a weapon for Carson Wentz. No, 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 no. You can do that. But they really need to rebuild the line. The line is in shambles, and it's old, and it's getting old. So this is a good opportunity to do that. I am always a believer of you, from the offensive line standpoint, you build from the outside in, right? But I, I hear project. I hear football player, but I hear project. He could be this. So he can play any position. I, he's not a project. Get me a tackle. That's all I'm saying. I look, he's not, no, but he's not, I'm telling you, he's not a project. He, he is a tackle. He's the tackle. He is a tackle in the ilk of an Isaiah win. He just doesn't look, he doesn't look like the prototypical tackle, but he gets it done. And if for whatever reason it didn't work out and I'm convinced it would, you have your, he has all pro center potential. And we know how important Jason Kelsey has been to that offensive line. The thing is, Jason Kelsey is approaching like 50 years old. Oh, he's done. He, he's he's just not from us. He's just going to get, he's beyond. He wanted to retire a few years before the yeah. Super Bowl run. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you can tell that this is a, uh, the game is taking a toll on him. And yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, interesting pick. Interesting pick. Let, let's go on. Let's move on. Number 20, the Arizona Cardinals. So I have the Arizona Cardinals selecting Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle Notre Dame. So unlike Rashawn Slater, 
This guy is more the prototypical left tackle build. My co-host is smiling. Yep. Apparently exactly. he's all about he's all about the looks. He's really not about substantively evaluating a player. You know, that's just that's just uh, my co-host here. Uh so he's six six three hundred. Like Notre Dame each year is churning out top offensive linemen. He's the next in that line. Frankly, he could probably add to his frame. If you look at him, you know, he's more actually jacked than he is heavy. You know, I mean, he he like he could put a few, you know, he could use a few donuts. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, plenty of experience, solid coaching, has, a, you know, ability to bend, has decent ankle flexion for a guy who's that tall. He's just, he's the prototypical left tackle. Um, I think he's a very good player. I just think that Rashawn Slater offers more upside and versatility. Fair enough, and that's what that's we're here for. We're here for the debate. Let's run through the rest here, uh, starting at twenty-one. Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars, the Raiders, Titans, Buccaneers, New York Jets again, Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, Green Bay Packers, Kansas City Chiefs, New Orleans Saints, and Pittsburgh Steelers again. This is based off of. The mock from Tankathon as of 10 a.m. on 11-11-2020. So if this changes by the time you're listening to it, don't come at us. Yeah, and so I'm just to you know to expand on that. So the reason, for instance, New Orleans, they have uh, New Orleans going to the Super Bowl. So that's why they would be the, le- the second to last team there. So there's a little bit of projecting with respect to the playoffs, but... You know, it's to me, I think it's the most definitive list. So, any uh, number 21, the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, again, let's get some more toys for Tua. I haven't taken Najee Harris, the running back, uh, from Alabama, 6'2, 232 pounds. There are two, um, first round running backs in, in my estimation, in the estimation of most, uh, football writers, scouts, uh, out there. I, I prefer Najee Harris as the number one guy. I think he's more of the bell cow can get you the tough yards in between the tackles. And you look at Brian Flores coming from New England. Think about like the last New England Super Bowl run where, you know, Brady wasn't throwing the ball that much except to uh, a few plays to Gronk and a few to Edelman. They were just pounding the ball. And that's what Najee Harris does. He's not as big as uh, Derrick Henry, but, you know, he's, Probably actually a little quicker. Uh, he's good in the pass game. Really, he's just in you know, the next Alabama running back. Really like the guy and and think that he could really be that bell cow running back for them. And again, it's giving it's giving weapons and giving support to Tua at quarterback. And he is clearly, as we discussed on the, the show, the, the previous show, the wrap-up show, week nine. Go back and check that out. Uh, glstand.podomatic.com. Show.potomatic.com. Get it right there, Chief. He is, he looks to be the real deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you gave pretzels to the whole family. I did give pretzels to the whole family. Uh, number 22, the Jacksonville Jaguars back in here in the first round via the Rams. Who you got them taking? Yeah, so this is for, uh, because of the Jalen Ramsey trade. So I have them taking, uh, you know, you drafted a quarterback, now you got to protect them. I have them taking Dylan Radden's the offensive tackle from North Dakota state. So, you know, we were talking about North Dakota state as a program here. They have two first round picks. Okay. This is, 
This is a Division One FBS level team. Okay, guys, just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, 301. He's not necessarily going to wow you with his athleticism, but he's powerful. He's technically sound, ultra tough and competitive. Finishes blocks, good with the run game. I'm really excited to see him. So after the North Dakota State's lone game this season with Central Arkansas, um, the their head coach actually um, announced that Dylan was invited to the Senior Bowl, and I'm really excited to see him take on Division One FBS talent. Uh, and I think, you know, if he does the way I, I actually think that this is the guy who might head up and creep up the, the draft boards even higher. Uh, so I, I think he's a really great player. I like him a lot. So, but if, if Jacksonville gets him, you know, I think they have a left tackle for the next 10 years. Yeah. Really highly spoken about from a lot of the scouts. When you go and you watch some of the different uh, NFL stuff on uh, game pass, that kind of thing, really, really highly thought of uh, again, here we are in North Dakota state. They could beat They could beat just about everyone. Yeah, and actually, their other offensive tackle is going to get drafted, um, probably like in the third day. But he's going to get drafted as well. So it's just we remarkable. Can, when we get to the off season, I'm, I'm making a note of it right now. We're going to do a whole show on North Dakota State football because it it really is like we were. You hear us on Night Talk, our Rutgers podcast. We we want Jersey kids to stay home, right, and and, and play for the state school. They really yeah. do do that in North Dakota in that area. They and there's people that go there too. Yeah, well, yeah, they. I mean, so they get they keep their kids home. Um, you think about it, imagine if uh, a certain guy from North Dakota wanted to play football instead of go on to wrestle, they would have had Brock Lesnar. Um, but they also do a great job. I mean, they get. I would say like the upper, the the northern part of the, you know. So North Dakota and West, North, they do a Midwest. great job. Yeah, Northern Midwest. I know that sounds weird. And then also the Pacific Northwest, because they get a lot of guys from Washington. I, I'd say probably more like the eastern part of Washington. Uh Idaho. They they just they do a great job. They even get kids from California. And, and every year they have kids go pro. But yeah, they, so they're gonna have both of their tackles drafted this year. It is impressive. Let's move on. Uh, number 23, the Las Vegas Raiders, they are on the clock. So, you know, I, I think I, I I like their offense. You know, Derek Carr may not be the, the best, but think about it. You know, they're five and three. And of those five wins, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs and the New Orleans Saints. So, you know, there's an argument to be made that they're right there in the thick of things. Uh, I think they need to shore up the defense. I think they, uh, a, Big presence in the interior of that defensive line is just what the doctor ordered, and that's why they're going to draft Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia. 6'5", 330 pounds. He's a big man. Uh, I compare his game a lot to Derek Brown, the defensive tackle who was drafted, I believe it was number eight by the Carolina Panthers this past year. Uh, he's deceptively athletic for a man his size, probably more of a two-gap defensive lineman, but he's shown some disruptiveness when he plays in a one-gap scheme. So I think that's why you know he's a first-round pick and he could push a pocket, which would help out tremendously with their edge rushers. Number 24, the Tennessee Titans. 
So it's clear to me the Jadavian Clowney experiment didn't work or is not working tremendously well in Tennessee. They signed Vic Beasley in the offseason and cut him. They desperately need defensive end help, and I'm giving them some here with Patrick Jones the second defensive end from Pittsburgh. 6'5", 264 pounds, explosive get-off, great length. He's a bit raw, but has a super high ceiling. Uh, get coached up by a guy like Vrabel and his staff. Uh, you know, I think this is the right kind of place for him. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this is going to be interesting. Do they go defense? Do they find another weapon for Tom Brady? He only has a few more years left in the tank. Your thoughts? Yeah. So to me, this is this is sort of one of those all-in picks. You know, we're we're not we're not drafting for the future. We're drafting for now. Uh, I have them. I, I I'm not in love with their running back room. Uh, frankly, I think they need to get rid of Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette just is just is a bust. Uh, so I have them taking Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson, 5'10", 212 pounds. He was the other running back I was referencing earlier when I was talking about Najee Harris. He's explosive. He's a home run hitter. He's more of a long strider. Think like the old days, like an Eric Dickerson or uh, Robert Smith from the Vikings, just that long stride. Uh, he's vastly improved in the passing game this season, which is, I think, something missing from the Buccaneers offense, which look, I know that the Buccaneers didn't take Josh McDaniels, New England offense. Brady is adapting to a new system, but I do think that they should implement more of a passing game for their running backs. And that's something that Etienne would help with dramatic and help uh, dramatically improve the passing game as re with respect to running backs. The New York jets are back on the clock via trade with the Seattle Seahawks at 26. What are you going to do? So look, they have a lot of, <laughs> they have a lot of needs. Um, and frankly, I don't know if this is the absolute most pressing. They need some offensive line help. They drafted Mackay Becton uh, in the first round last year, who when healthy is doing tremendously well. Um, I have them taking Trey Smith, an offensive guard from Tennessee, 6'5", 333 pounds. Uh, the two words to best describe this guy, nasty and mauler. This guy doesn't just set up a block and create an angle and create like an alley. He moves people. He's not happy until the guy is on the ground, you know, defeated. He, he is one of the – every year you get just that nasty mauling offensive lineman. He was actually – he was a five-star tackle coming out of high school – and they moved him over to guard. But so he has the feet of a tackle, but, uh, you know, at guard, just, you know, to me, line him up with Mekhi Becton, who's 6'7", 350. You know, now you got, you know, you can start run, running the ball much more uh, proficiently. Now you got some nasty, too, and you're protecting your investment in Trevor Lawrence. So that's now, I, and I know we were going to talk about, um, you know, other under the radar prospects in, in later rounds. I guess here is where I would I kind of want to mention it. In my sick brain, who else would I have the New York Jets drafting in like the third or fourth round? Daniel Faalele, the offensive tackle from Minnesota, who is 6'8, 400 pounds. I want Mekhi Becton in left tackle and Faalele at right tackle. That's like you, literally you are creating a wall. I, you know, we're not getting political. 
and we talked about the border wall. This is the border wall. They could literally create. They could create a name for that. Imagine this, that line they're creating a green wall. Yes. Imagine. I mean, can you imagine Mackay Becton on one side and six, eight, four hundred pounds on the other? That's just amazing to me. It would make life real difficult for the Baltimore Ravens who are drafting 27. Who do you got the Ravens taking? I have the Ravens taking Sean Wade, cornerback, Ohio State. The rich just keep getting richer. Uh, you know, oh, I, I always have faith in Baltimore's picks, right? I mean, when was the last time they had a bust? Um, so 6'1", 191 pounds. Again, I think the nice thing, he, he is the next in the long line of great Ohio State corners. And because he's actually had to play – behind other great corners, he was actually forced to play in the inside earlier in his career at Ohio State. Now he's more on the outside as a corner. So he offers positional versatility because he can cover the slot. Very good hips, very good speed. He is more of a zone cover guy as opposed to man cover, but also an excellent tackler. Think of, you know, I mean, kind of like in, in the ilk of like a Jimmy Smith for them, but it really would help out that secondary. Baltimore, they just they they always do the right things. It's pretty crazy. Uh, let's get to the the Buffalo Bills drafting late. That means things are are trending very well for the Bills. They're going to win the East most likely. But your 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 second favorite team. Who do you got them taking? And yours now. I do. Look, I I am I'm a huge <laughs> huge. Sean. I've always been a Sean McDermott guy. I thought he got yeah. a raw deal in Philadelphia, and and it's that has always pissed me off. He's a local guy. Like to see him doing well. Buffalo is a, it's a dark, dreary place. It's always gray. You know, I, the, these guys, these fans, the Bills Mafia, they, I feel like they had, we share a kinship. They light tables on fire and throw people through it. I used yeah. to watch wrestling where guys would do the same thing. I may or may not have jumped off a roof through a flaming table. I like these people and they like chicken wings. Well, they, they created them. So, or the, anyways. Uh, yeah, so I have the Buffalo Bills taking uh, Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa, the linebacker from Notre Dame, six foot two, two hundred twenty pounds. You know, look when you're drafting twenty eighth, you look at the Bills. There aren't a, a ton of pressing needs. Uh, to me, you know, they they drafted Tremaine Edmonds a few years ago, who's really starting to hit his stride. Uh, Koromoa Awusu Koromoa is he's another three down linebacker, covers the entire field, great tackler. Very good in pass coverage. You put the two of them on the field, you can always find yourself then in nickel defense. You have these guys just roaming the field creating havoc. So to me, it's a really good fit there. The Green Bay Packers. Do the do the Green Bay Packers finally wise up and give Aaron Rodgers some help in the first round? Or did they just say, ah, we're going to go draft a punter? Well, look. I have them wising up because, I, you know, and I'm sure most mock drafts will because at least with with respect to that, the scouts and myself, I think we're a little smarter than the Packers have been recently because you think about how desperately the Packers could use a legitimate second wide receiver right now to take the pressure off Devontae Adams. And we all know Devontae Adams always has several games that he misses due to a toe or a calf and then he already did this season. Uh, so I have the Green Bay Packers taking Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota, 6'2", 213 pounds. He'd initially opted out of the season, but then opted back in when the Big Ten announced that they actually will play. 
Um, he plays even bigger than a six foot two size. Um, he just excels in finding ways to separate in spite of not necessarily being the fastest guy. And, you know, I think sometimes people forget when they're evaluating college talent, they're like, oh, well, look, the only way to separate is to run a 4-2 or a 4-3. That's not necessarily the case. If you understand leverage, you understand balance, and you're, you know, a, a heady route runner, you could create space even, and I'm not saying he's slow, but without world-class speed, and he does that. He's a red zone threat, has great ball skills, also very good run blocker, which would help them because, you know, they, I mean, really, I kind of view, excuse me, Green Bay is having a real proficient run game now with Aaron Jones. So you need to have the blocker downfield. The Kansas City Chiefs are at a 30. So, I mean, you talk about a team with not many holes. I mean, I was looking, I'm like, well, what do they really need? And then I'm like, who could I potentially upgrade? And the guy who I kind of targeted was Patrick Sorensen, uh, their free safety. So I have the Kansas City Chiefs taking Trevon Morig, the safety from TCU. Six foot two, 208 pounds, playmaker, can just be a great center fielder, has great anticipation and ball skills. He's a closer. I think if you matched him up with Tyron Matthews playing more, downfield blitzing under Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. That's a really good pair in safety. The New Orleans Saints, according to Tankathon, they'll be in the Super Bowl. Number 31, who you got to take? So, you know, it's interesting because particularly with Michael Thomas's behavior this year, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people even argue that he might be on the trading block. So I have the Saints taking Sage Surratt, Wide receiver from Wake Forest, 6'2", 215 pounds. He had, he actually opted out of the season. Um, he plays like a power forward with the speed of a point guard, to use basketball terms. Just a great athlete, can be a vertical threat or across the middle, great hands. Really just a, a great target and a great weapon for whomever will be the quarterback next year for the Saints. With the last pick of the first round, the Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock. They may or may not have beaten the Dolphins, 72 Dolphins record at this point. I don't know. I don't know how that's projected. That'll, that'll be interesting. Uh, so I have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Rondell Moore, the wide receiver from Purdue, 5'9", 175 pounds. This guy is just electric. Uh, I kind of liken him. He's a different build, but I liken him to Percy Harvin. He's just the wide receiver running back. Gadget play, jet sweep, does everything, makes everyone miss, and then the people he can't make miss, he just runs around them and pass them. Uh, but just electric, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and guy literally single handedly, I think, ended the Greg Schiano era at Ohio State um, when he. Thank when, God for that. Thank God. So I'm I'm much appreciative to that. Uh, but yeah, so Rondo Moore to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we're going to wrap this show up here. Be sure to follow us on social media everywhere at GL Stand Show. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But before we do, what do you have? Who do you have? Give us a couple sleepers uh, for your draft class. We're going to get to this later when we do our our full mock draft, like we do every year, uh, our annual thing that we started a year ago. So we've done it once. We'll do it. Yeah, twice. it'll be so. Annual. So I'm really interested to see. 
I don't know how much of a sleep. It's two linebackers that I'm really interested to see. The first is Chaz Surratt, which is Sage Surratt's brother, who plays at North Carolina. Really talented. And, and the reason I picked these two players, because there's such disagreement in the scouting world, where literally some people actually have this guy as a late first-round pick. Other guys, you see them, you see him mocked in the fifth round. Um, I think he is very athletic. Some people question his physicality. Uh, so to me, that's an interesting one. Dylan Moses, the linebacker from Alabama, was he was going to be the next middle linebacker, you know, top 15 pick, blew out his ACL, and this year hasn't been as dominant. But again, he's coming back from the ACL. He's also dealing with the crazy offseason. So that's sort of the other one. Um, and also Jabril Cox, who, again, was a North Dakota State transfer and transferred to LSU. So, we, again, talk about North Dakota State. So he transfers to LSU, the reigning national champions, and is starting for LSU. Now, granted, their defense isn't playing that well, but I'm going to be interested to see where he ends up. I think the combine is going to be very crucial for him. He could be a second-rounder or a day-three pick. So those are those are my three guys. I know they're all linebackers, but guys. And then also the one that I mentioned earlier with the Jets, Daniel Faalele. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Fridays. Tuesdays is our wrap-up show. Fridays is our football Friday show. We'll be doing specials like this throughout the year. I'm Michael Lipinski. That's Brett Halpern. We will see you later. Be safe. Wear a mask so we can all go to football games next year. Stop being a bunch of jackasses.